The Caesars in the Apocalypse The Apostle Peter wrote in his second letter about the enduring power and value of the prophetic word and the divine operation of the Holy Spirit on its authors. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Revelation is an amazing continuation and culmination of all the prophetic words of the Old Testament writers. John, like all the Old Testament prophets, was carried along by the Holy Spirit to deliver the final words of Jesus, to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Brother David Pierce, in his booklet, Understanding the Revelation, says, Revelation continues where Daniel left off, outlining the events of history from the first century to the second coming of Christ. As Daniel's visions filled in the top half of Nebuchadnezzar's dream image, so John's fill in the bottom half. One study of Revelation found over 500 Old Testament references in it. There are many links between the Psalms, the Prophets, and Revelation. Our charter is to deliver a series of short biographies of the 40-odd men who grasped the title Caesar and ruled the Roman Empire during the epoch of the Six Seals. Our aim is to help the reader to understand the background to each seal and how the character of the Caesars either contributed to the conditions of that seal or were affected by them. In style, we will try to be factual but not technical, informative but not exhaustive, in such a way that the reader is enticed to embark on their own investigation of these dramatic and turbulent times, knowing always that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. The title of Edward Gibbon's touchstone book on the topic, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, neatly divides and summarises the first two prophetic epochs of the Revelation, namely the seals and the wind trumpets. John's vision of the seven seals spans a period of 217 years, dating from the ascension of Nerva on the assassination of Domitian in AD 96, until Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, recognising and decriminalising Christianity in AD 313. This is the decline phase, which marked the end of the pagan Roman leg of the image of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Coincidental with the weakening of paganism, we see the prophesied growth of Christianity, despite, or in some sense because of, the targeted persecution of the Roman emperors. In AD 330, at the beginning of the Wind Trumpet Epoch, Constantine formalises the transference of power and authority from Rome to Constantinople. Formerly known as Byzantium, Constantinople became the capital of the eastern leg of the empire. Fifty years later, in AD 380, Emperor Theodosius issued an edict declaring Christianity as the official state religion of the Roman Empire. From this time, the wind trumpets herald the commencement of the fall phase, ending in the dissolution of the now pseudo-Christian Roman leg. Rome is reduced to being an outpost of the empire. Regular revolts broke out within Roman territory among the long-subjected neighbouring tribes in Gaul, Germania and Dalmatia. Added to this were the invasions of Roman territory 
and even the Italian peninsula itself from without, beginning with Alaric, chief of the Visigoths. Constantinople, the eastern leg, continued for almost a millennium after the fall of Rome in AD 476, until it was besieged and captured by the Ottomans under Sultan Mehmet II in AD 1453. The Ottomans would be the ruling power of Asia Minor and the Levant until their defeat by the Allied powers in World War I, as prophesied in Revelation 16 verse 12. The start point for the Seal Epoch is the death of Domitian, son of Vespasian and brother of Titus. He was the emperor in Rome when John was exiled to Patmos in AD 95 or 96, when the Revelation was written. In the 217 years from Domitian's murder in AD 96 to the ascension of Constantine in AD 313, the Roman Empire was ruled over by more than 40 emperors. This number is subject to debate depending on 1. How and by whom the candidate was nominated, 2. How or whether their claim was recognised, and or 3. Whether the candidate had the force of character, military authority or senatorial approval to exercise the office of Caesar. The first Caesar was Gaius Julius Caesar. In 49 BC, he famously crossed the Rubicon River with his legion, the northern boundary of the Roman state, in defiance of Roman law and the Senate, eventually declaring himself dictator and inciting a civil war against Pompey, the champion of the Senate whom he pursued and comprehensively defeated. Caesar became the cognomen or distinguished title for most of the emperors. The German Kaiser, Russian Tsar, or Tsar, Turkish Kaiser, etc. are all titles of rulers derived from Caesar's name. A Caesar was not elected by public vote. So how did a man become Caesar? Mason Hammond of Harvard University wrote, By the end of the second century, the Roman emperor had become a monarch, whose position and power were limited rather by tradition and convention than by specific formulation, like a constitution or bill of rights. His position required confirmation by the Senate, but this confirmation was reduced to a mere formality in the face either of designation of successor by the previous emperor, like Trajan or Hadrian, or support by the troops as a claimant for the throne, like Elagabalus or Septimus Severus. The support of the troops came to be recognised openly as the real source and mainstay of the imperial power, not only in the cases of violent change, like Caracalla or Maximin the Thracian, but even when the succession was peaceful and prearranged. Ratification by the Senate became an inevitable formality. Of the 40 or so men who claimed the title of Caesar during the Seal Epoch, only 14, less than one-third, died of natural causes or illness, especially by plague. The remainder were either assassinated, executed, or killed in battle, usually at the command or by the very hand of their successor slash usurper. 25 reigned for less than two years. One emperor, Carus, died by being struck by lightning. Wikipedia notes, the distinction between a usurper and a legitimate emperor is a blurry one, given that numerous emperors commonly considered legitimate began their rule as usurpers rising up against the previous legitimate emperor. There were no constitutional or legal distinctions that differentiated legitimate emperors and usurpers. In ancient Roman texts, the differences between emperors and tyrants, the typically used term for usurpers, is often a moral assessment, 
with the tyrant's behaviour ascribed as wicked rather than a legal one. Typically, the actual distinction was whether the claimant had been victorious or not. In this way, there are many similarities between the Roman emperors and those men in the past who declared themselves king over the northern tribes of Israel, or even in the popes and anti-popes of the Middle Ages. The data to calculate the figures are nearly non-existent, but historian and sociologist Keith Hopkins has given tentative estimates for the Christian population in the 3rd century. Hopkins estimates that the Christian community grew from a population of 1.1 million in AD 250 to a population of 6 million by AD 300, or about 10% of the empire's total population. Christians even expanded into the countryside, where they had never been numerous before. Christians came out of the catacomb cemeteries and basements of houses. Churches built in the late 3rd century were no longer inconspicuous, as they had been in the 1st and 2nd centuries. Large churches were built in prominent places in the major cities throughout the empire. The growth of the early ecclesia was, however, overshadowed by the emergence of the Catholic apostasy and the development of doctrines of men, labelled by Paul as irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. The Apostle John himself foresaw the Catholic mix of Bible truth and Greek philosophic error when he wrote, They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. In the Epoch of the Seals, we see the unfolding of history contemporary with John himself, the things that must soon take place. There is nothing cryptic about this, as the seals are sequentially broken and the scroll opened and the words written therein revealed in the visions of chapters 6, 7 and 8. John was able to see the historical context and circumstances in the Roman world, his mundane world, culminating even in the Christianization of the pagan Roman beast. Mm-hmm.